God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this ninth Sunday after Pentecost through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. When someone promises you a special gift, you have faith in them, in their word. You believe them regardless of the nature of the promise. Your faith holds to that person and to the promise. It's unconditional, you know, the, the promise will be kept. You anticipate the time when the promise comes about and the goods are delivered. You promised me and Jill a special gift. You're sending us to Israel next year on a clergy familiarization tour to the Holy Land. Whether you knew that or not, you are. And Jill and I have faith in your word. The tickets have been bought. We're going. Your promise is kept. And the anticipation is already building even though the actuality of the gift is still five months away. Promises between us earthly creatures are a reflection of the way in which our God treats us. We could be plodding through this life on our own, doing our own thing, simply letting things fall where they may. But with God, promises from Him and promises between us bind us together. And hold things together as we move through this life. God made a promise with Abram. That he'd give him and his wife a son. And our reading today from Genesis is a story about the righteousness that is by faith in the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Righteousness and faith go together. They're inseparable. Faith in God makes you righteous. And it's good news that God gives you both. He gives you faith as a gift and makes you righteous. And perhaps it's time to remind ourselves what righteousness means because we hear it a lot in church and, you know, it can become one of those churchy words that you, the meaning gets lost over time among all the other stuff. So righteousness simply means, and, and when you hear these descriptions, I want you to think about yourself. Righteousness simply means good, virtuous, upright, upstanding, decent, worthy, innocent, faultless, saintly, pure, God-fearing, uncorrupted, sinless, irreproachable. And the like. Do you feel like those things? I don't. Not all of them. Those are some pretty, uh, that's pretty high standard there, isn't it? Those are all the things that we were not before we were given faith and baptized into the kingdom of God. God makes us those things. We can't be those things on our own. And that, my friends, brings peace and comfort to our hearts and minds, which sometimes believes that we are still not righteous with God. I'll get back to that in a minute, but do you realize what just happened here this week? I can still feel it. It's like, a, it's like the wake of a ship in the water. We had vacation Bible school here. We just had our largest evangelism opportunity. I mean, it happened. 
We told around 140 people about Jesus over a five-day period. Now, you know, I mean, I, I could probably sit down and try and do the figures, but, you know, how many of us members of the church, and I'm trying to think of, of how often do we tell people about Jesus in a week, a month, a year? 140 people in a five-day period. Now think about that. Over 100 kids in our community heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and went home every day of the week and most likely shared what they heard with their families. Can you imagine the wake that's been left and is still going on out there right now in our community? Some of you were here for it. You, you experienced it too. Now, our kids, our kids today seem to have about a 10-minute attention span for learning about Jesus. You know, they, they, they hear about it, and then they're ready, like 10 minutes later, they're ready to move on to the next thing. But they got it, and they repeated it back at the end of the day. One of the themes of our vacation Bible school this year was God's Word is comforting. It's comforting because of what? The things God tells us, right? He promises to bring us peace and comfort. His promises themselves bring us peace and comfort. You heard some of them in our, uh, in our psalm, in our readings. God is our shield. He's our defender in times of trouble. He is our Lord and King. He is our refuge and strength in a world that's temporarily ruled by the prince of darkness and the father of all lies that old evil foe, the devil. But be not dismayed, right? Jesus has overcome the devil and the world and won the victory. That's comforting news. God has given you and me and all those kids that were here a very great reward. His grace and forgiveness and everlasting life like a treasure beyond all our worldly possessions which are going to pass away at the end of time anyways. God's word gives promise and hope. God promises Abraham and Sarai a son, and not just that, but a son through natural childbirth. The son comes from both of their bodies in a way that God designed it to happen even though her body was advanced in age beyond the point of things working right. Nevertheless, a promise made was a promise kept. Now, the devil would have us believe that God breaks his promises to us. And sometimes that lie is reinforced by the sad reality that promises between people get broken and unrealized all the time. You know, we tend to base our perception of God and the way he does things by our everyday experiences with each other. And kids know all too well the concept of love and hate, punishment and reward. I mean, I talked with them about how some people believe God loves you when you're good and hates you when you're bad. And they knew exactly what I was talking about because from what I heard from some of them, they were in that boat. It was a surprise to some of them to hear that God loves you when you're bad. He loves the bad people. He came to save them. He won't break his promises to you when you're bad. They still hold true. 
When you pray and it appears God doesn't answer the way you expect or want, doesn't mean he's broken his promises to you or of forgiveness and heaven and all that. God knows your needs and he acts upon them. God acted upon the needs of Abraham. That he will be the father of all who believe in the Lord's words and promises. As Christians, we have a lot of fathers, don't we? You know, we have God the Father, obviously, because, you know, he's the most supreme of them all, being, what, God and all? (laughs) But we have these other fathers. Adam is our first earthly father and parent. We have Noah, the father of the human race after the flood, where everyone but him and his family were wiped out. We have the patriarchs and the church fathers. But God made Abram really something, and not only giving him a son, but promising him he would be the father of as many as stars in the sky. His descendants, through which God will have a binding promise with, a covenant of faith and righteousness, those descendants were Israel and then you and me. And you know who one of these descendants will be also, right? God in the flesh. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Abram received this promise. He received faith and he believed the promise. God's righteousness was counted to him. It was was put on him. And he was saved. And this kind of righteousness would later be written about by Paul to the Christians in Rome. And then later read by Martin Luther and believed by him. And changed his life. And later changed the church from wandering in the dark to being back in Christ's light and comforting promises. God declares you righteous by faith alone. Now that wake I was talking about from VBS, one of the things that I like about it is afterwards when it's over, I get to talk to some of the parents, you know, during the hot dog lunch or whatever. And they sometimes ask me, What's the deal with the Lutherans, anyway? Are you guys Christian? You know, are you Christians? Well, yes. And then they ask, well, what's the difference between us and the other churches? And I always respond that we believe we are saved through faith alone and not through our works or trying to be good people and please God. Because that is the prime difference, my friends, in our understanding of faith and righteousness from the other churches. As many other differences are that there are that fractures Christianity worldwide, that is the chief one. Rarely do I bother going into all the other differences and details unless I'm asked because faith and righteousness is enough for one to chew on in one bite. It gives you plenty to consider. And if you believe in the forgiveness of sins, not by your own effort, But in the total satisfaction of sins by Jesus Christ's death on the cross and resurrection, it gives you peace and comfort as well. Because otherwise, how would we ever know if we've done enough to get into heaven? We wouldn't. We would continually live with weight on our shoulders and burdened consciences. And who would want that? You know, we're already burdened with so many other things. Thanks be to God, we're not burdened with the chief concern of this life and death, that 
Am I good enough to make it into heaven? We know, yes, we are good enough. We've been made good enough by the blood of Christ shed on the cross. We're, we're, we're covered in his blood. We're clothed with Christ's righteousness. Ten years ago, I was installed here as a vicar. And I made promises to serve you in ways that were in line with what a pastor in training is to do. Nine years ago, when I was ordained out in the grove, I made bigger and more specific promises to you that I still read every year in my call document to make sure I'm not breaking any of them or that I haven't neglected them. I'm not perfect. But I promise to continue as long as you and God will have me here. You made a promise to me as well that's outlined in the right of installation that you would uphold me as I carry out the office of the ministry here. And that's been a promise made and a promise kept. We know promises are made and broken on a daily basis in the world. But when you have undying faith and trust in the one who makes the promise, you believe with absolute conviction that the promise will come about, especially if the person who makes the promise has a history of promises made and promises kept. The Lord promised Abram that he would bear a son, and he kept that promise. He promised Abram that his descendants would be as many as the stars in the heavens, and the offspring would come that could come from him would be his people, and, save his, and God would save them from sin, death, and the devil. And he kept that promise too. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, Son of God, descendant of Abram, says to you, you are righteous by faith alone. That's a promise kept. This is Abram's story. It's his truth. It's our truth too. A promise made and a promise kept. Amen.